So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. I know a lot about golf. It's time for those weekend golf guys. Well, we're waiting. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Here's John Ashton and Jeff Smith. We are who they said we were, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave and with us all the way from Austin, Tejas. <laughs> Brooke Watts. Didn't know I spoke Spanish, did you, Brooke? Huh? That's- I did not, John. I learned something new about you every time we do this. This is pretty cool, isn't it? For some reason, she fors- forsook us, forsaked us, whatever, for uh, a couple of years, but she saw the she error got tired of-, of you. Yeah, That's she what did. happened. She got yeah. tired of you, and I talked her into coming back. That's well, what happened. Okay. Well, wh- <laughs> not at all. <laughs> whatever she's back, and we're happy about it. Well, I'm happy to be back. Oh, my um, gosh. It's been too long, guys. Yeah. What, what are you doing now? you still at uh, the Star Ranch, or have you moved, or what's going on down there? No, I am still at Star Ranch, going on my sixth year of teaching and getting certified with the LPGA of my Class A certification, working on that, and also directing all the uh, golf tournaments here at Star Ranch. I I got a lot of different hats. We want to uh, just give a little shout out to uh, KTXXFM, who is carrying the show. Brooke is listening at this very moment and has had all of her students and everybody she's come in contact with. So why don't you send her a t-shirt? Brooke is a teacher par excellence, one one of the teachers that Jeff is taught to teach. They have worked together very closely for quite a while. What we are going to do is we are going to let Jeff and Brooke come at you from two different angles. They're just going to surround you, and they are going to berate you with the fact that you don't practice anywhere near enough. Because John wants John wants me to berate someone else. <laughs> That's right. Is, is what's going on? That's really <laughs> he where wants we are. your your focus to go somewhere else, right, Jeff? Exactly. He wants a day off. <laughs> stop picking on me. That's exactly what it is. Just stop picking on me. Practice is uh, and, and Brooke, practice. You heard last week's show. There was a guy that I worked with uh, and told the story about a guy I was working with on the golf course on last week's show. You know, it was odd. The guy's name, strangely enough, was John. And nobody believed it. Yeah. Nobody believed it. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you're you're talking. He wanted it to be someone else. You're talking to the it's preacher's kid, whose father used him as an example in every sermon he ever did. So I'm immune to that stuff. Okay, that is that's, hilarious. That's the way it goes. That's why. That's why you love golf. You got to have certain immunity built that's up. Right. Exactly, and it also gives yeah. me an excuse to be somewhere else on Sunday. Listen, we're going <laughs> to get you to practice. We're going to get you to practice with purpose, and we're going to practice. Um, there's a, a P word for timely, but I can't come up with it at the moment. If I had researched this, I'd know. But hey, you threw it on me. We're going to think of it when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys, and you need to hang with us. I am sitting currently right here in front of this microphone wearing the most comfortable pair of sweatpants I have ever owned in my life. And the folks at Mack Weldon told me that's the way it would be. Because they said to me, you know, what we have is better than whatever you're wearing right now. And I said, yeah, right, okay, prove it. So they did. Smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping, put it all together and you've got a great shopping experience from MacWeldon.com. Everything 
from underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, good-looking, most comfortable stuff you will ever wear. Try them, because like they say, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Let them prove it to you, too. Go to MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code WEEKEND to get 20% off your first order. MacWeldon.com, 20% off your first order. When you use the promo code WEEKEND. MacWeldon.com. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us, facebook.com slash golfguys. Okay, the practice regimens of those weekend golf guys are extensive. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> what can I say? I'm sorry. That's a big stretch. <laughs> And that's another thing I don't do that I should. Big stretches. <laughs> Stretch? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things we have Brooke on the show for is for her to, to basically tell you that your body is not anywhere near in shape to do what it is that you're trying to ask it to do. It is so true. I mean, I think a lot of the things that Jeff and I see being instructors, when there are some technique issues that come about, a lot of times it's not necessarily a golf issue. Sometimes it's a mobility issue. Sometimes it's a strength issue, a fitness issue. That is huge. And especially being able to play this game and play it well, you've got to you've got to have your body in pretty good shape. Sometimes it's a gut issue. That is true. Sometimes it's possible, right? There are people out there that that they they play golf by their gut feel, right? They say this is how I want yeah. to play, this is how I want to practice, but their gut is the problem. <laughs> are we say, are we saying like metaphorically? No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's serious. sometimes they get I out mean, there that thirty that they're thinking that they still got a thirty-two inch waist, but they don't. He's, he's well, do you remember Craig Stadler? You remember when he his I wife do, put him on yeah. a diet, and he ended up almost losing his card. And he's like, "I can't afford to be skinny. That's we right. can't afford for me to be skinny." And Craig, he gained Craig, it all back, and he started making cuts. Craig obviously learned how to do it at an early age without being able to see his feet. See, that's the problem we have. When <laughs> when Jeff says, "You know, put the ball halfway between in the middle between your feet," you go, "I can't see my feet." Well, you know. Oddly enough, Brooke, that's exactly when I stopped using feet as a reference point was when I was talking to John. <laughs> and he said, I, can know, I can't see my feet. How do I know where my ball position is? So I started making reference to his sternum because he could see a portion of that right near the hump. At the top of the hump, if he looks down and sees this little bubble, then he can go, oh, to the middle of that. Okay, that's my reference point now. Hilarious. And, you know, I use that all the time. I, I steal all of your stuff, Jeff Smith, and <laughs> I quote you. I told you this the other day on the phone. I quote you at least three times a day of ball position and using something from fixed from the waist up because your feet are a variable if you're using mm -hmm. that. But that that's is right. pretty – yet again, you're right, Jeff Smith. You're that. the one that keeps saying that to him. Are you the one that's responsible for his head expanding bigger than any hat he already has? Come no, on, no, John, no, no, no. John, think about it. I've just admitted on national airwaves that you, John Ashton, because of said situation, have made me, have influenced my teaching to all of my students, made me a better teacher because you <laughs> said you couldn't see your feet. You haven't admitted anything. You've called me fat, okay? <laughs> <laughs> But he did it so nicely. He did. He you never did. know it. <laughs> if you weren't so oversensitive about it, you might consider the fact that you contributed to my teaching, which contributed to Brooke Watts' teaching, mm -hmm. and hopefully exactly. to many other 
teachers around the country who listen to our show, uh -huh. you may consider yourself an influencer <laughs> of golf instruction for a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Look at all the golf things you just saved, John. <laughs> right. Think about that. I, I've known you long enough to pick up on the subtleties, man. You did just call me fat. <laughs> but um, no, but but you know, we, we, we said that we were going to talk about practice, and this is something that, that so few of us have the time to do or have the inclination to do, um, think we need to do. I mean, insert excuse here. That was one of the best transitions away from a topic you wanted to get away from I have ever heard you do. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what you learn in DJ school, man. Okay. That's right. Yeah, right. Right. Deflect. Yeah. Deflect and move on. Around. Let's move on. That's yeah, right. That's right. I like it. <laughs> Good. Nice work, man. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, no, no. Let's let's do talk about it. I mean, the practice thing. People I talked to a guy just yesterday. I'm sitting here at the the, the bar area at Timbergate. He calls me over and and he wants to have a couple minute conversation about like, I cannot believe how many people you're helping, but I want you to help me, but I don't want to practice because my golf time is so little that I want to spend it playing golf. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I said, so what kind of play do you do? And he told me it was the standard old, same old, same old, same old. Go out with the same guys, play golf, the same set of tees, play the same game every time. And no one gets better because they don't even have the motivation to get better because of the game they play. So I suggested to him that they go out and play a different game. And I suggested to him that the time that he spent on the golf course was a work on your golf while being around your guys, while hitting shot after shot after shot, and having your focus not be the game you used to play, but a different kind of practice game. Okay. So I laid one yeah. out for him and he looked at me and went, I never, ever would have thought to do anything like that. So what'd you lay out for him? Well, I, what I laid on him was a different kind of scoring system. Okay. And it was, um, and I, and I call it a, a one to five scale. So, uh, this is a, a strike quality scoring system. Now, John, this is not a shot quality scoring system just yet. Okay. okay. This is now just speaking about the strike, meaning the actual contact from club to ball at impact. All right. On a one to five scale where one is the worst possible strike that you could have at this skill level right now. Okay. It's awful. It's terrible. It is miserable. Okay. And two would be just bad. Right. Not, not as awful and terrible, but just a bad shot. Right. Right. And three would be, uh, it's okay, middle of the road. Yeah, you know that one shot. You go, all right, I'll get by with that. You know that that shot right there. And then four would be good. It was a good shot. Mm -hmm. And then who would be the arbiter of those? You, the player. Okay, I I, I call my You're own. The only one I score myself. Okay, on the quality of strike. Okay. Yeah, you're scoring yourself, right? Okay. You are okay. the you are the ultimate in the decider of the quality of that strike. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not quality of outcome. This is not quality of flight. This is quality of strike. How solidly did you hit this ball? Right? <laughs> so, so and that if wonderful your game now becomes on hole number one. Uh huh. Go ahead. 
And I was going to say, so that fantastic shot that I hit, that hit the tree and bounced 20 yards behind me, that could still be a five? If I had great contact? That's right. It still okay. can be a five because we're talking about the strike. Okay, cool. Right? We're not talking about the quality of flight. We're not talking about the outcome of the shot, right? Hey. So this is now, their focus is now on striking the ball well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what happens when you improve the quality of strike and that's your goal, right? Things get better overall. Right. So what I had them do is I got on a scorecard. And instead of writing down names down the left side of the scorecard, I wrote down one, two, three, four, five. And strike quality was the topic, right? So then every hole, they put a hash mark for every one of those that they had. So hole number one, they could have one that's a terrible one. They could have a number one. They could have a number two. They can have a three, four, or a five. Right. And what they do is they count up the number of each one of those they have. So, for example, on hole number one, it's a par four. And you took five swings at it, including putts, right? Right. And, and you say, okay, I had two twos, two threes, and a four. All right. So you got a, a, you know, a little hash mark in each one of those. And then you do that throughout all 18 holes. And then you start adding up the quality of shots throughout the hole. How many number ones did you have throughout the 18 holes? How many number twos? How many threes? How many fours? How many fives? Throughout the 18 holes. And then you get a perspective on you as a striker of the golf ball on the golf course. Cool. And that right there is being aware mm-hmm. of yourself. And I'll bet you that if somebody else had your total score on their scorecard, I'll bet you you'd have played better golf. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were only focusing on what you're doing in terms of a, a strike of a golf ball. So did you just come up with that ad-libbing it when the guy asked you at the bar? Or is it something you've worked on before? No, no, no. It's something <laughs> I do with a lot of my students because then yeah. we also have another scoring thing that we talk about, the difference between the strike quality and then the shot quality. Okay. And we can have so to, for uh, example, well, you gave well, a wait, great wait, example. Wait, strike quality, shot quality. Yeah. That is a big difference, and we will delve into right. it when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang with us. If you're in sales, you know that people buy things from people they know, they like, and they trust. Business golf is the quickest way to build trust with your clients and potential customers. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Go there now and check it out. Did you ever wonder why guys, every guy, I mean, it's like this everywhere. Guys keep their socks and underwear in the top drawer. It's funny, we'll have to do some research and figure that out. I was looking for some new top drawer stuff, and I found some. Some top-of-the-line top drawer stuff from Mac Weldon. Because Mac Weldon has the most comfortable underwear, socks, undershirts that I've ever, ever worn. They also have hoodies and shirts and sweatpants, and it all is the most comfortable stuff that you will ever wear. They'll prove it to you, too. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. I, myself, not only got the underwear and shirts, but I've got the most comfortable pair of sweatpants I have ever worn in my life. So, go to MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND when you check out, and you'll get 20% off your first order. MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND and get your 20% off your first order. back those weekend golf guys i know that we left you just at the edge of your seat jeff was going to describe something between the difference of the strike quality and shot quality so 
take up from where we were, Mr. Jeff, and let Brooks speak a little bit too, okay? Okay. All right. So, good. As we were talking about before, <laughs> strike quality. Yeah, strike quality is just the, the actual club touching ball, right? But then that ball flies in the air and does something. And John, you gave this great example of what if I pure it and then it strikes a tree and gets knocked out of bounds? Mm-hmm. Not that that's ever happened to you, but it could. Yes, it could. Right? Yes. Right. It could. So the, the flight and the shot quality could wind up being a one, but the strike quality could have been a five. Right. Those things do happen. You've heard of stories, John, of the, the little old dude who's playing out there and he cold tops one off the par three tee with his three wood and it bounds down the fairway and goes in the hole. Yeah. He's got a yeah. strike quality of poor two right yeah it's not a one it's a two right but the thing winds up bouncing into the hole so yeah. that's a shot quality of five right yeah. but for the most part i hate you're that gonna guy see, yeah i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part we all know what you're gonna see you're gonna see the shot quality come directly from the strike quality and you'll see it and then what happens to you as a as a golfer you now are aware that your job is to make the best strike possible to make your overall happiness better because the, there's a direct correlation for the most part between the quality of the strike and the quality of the outcome of the shot. I would think and, I would think that if you, on a much more consistent basis, first off, if you played this game, you would be more aware of the strike quality and would work harder in your pre-shot routine to make sure you had a good strike quality for that particular shot. And I would also think that you would start, I don't know, maybe taking into consideration aiming a little bit better if you have a good strike quality and wind up hitting that tree that you thought you were going to miss by a large margin, yet you hit right into the middle of the trunk and it came back and almost knocked you out by hitting you in the head. I would think that that might be a, some of the things you would you would learn very quickly from doing it this way. It is. And it's something that when you do this, now this is for the, this is just a simple thing. I'm sure Brooks got 10 things, but this is just a simple thing that you can do. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I love it when he does that. <laughs> uh, okay. It's so simple. He's gone silent. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to think of that next word and it's not coming to him well. <laughs> I'm sure he will be back eventually. Uh, but in the interim, okay, Brooke, you, you are you are both a, a, a student of Jeff's, uh, not only in, in how to play, but how to teach players. And yes. this this ringing with you, you, you also do this kind of thing? I'd, absolutely. You know, um, you know, the Vision 54 folks, Pia Nelson, Lynn Marriott, I went and visited them two years ago and got trained with them. Mm-hmm. And they use a similar system, one to five. It's about being able to go out and play because, you know, the, the practicing, you've got some golfers that all they want to do is practice and you've got some that when they have free time, they want to go play. Right. Well, being able to use this system of one to five, I use it in the way of, okay, what's your game plan? And your game plan when you go out and play is not a score. That's just an outcome. Game plan is I'm going to have balance and I'm going to hold my finish, for example, every single shot. Oh, okay. And it's a similar thing. Okay, it's not the outcome. You know, the outcome is just a byproduct. It is, you know, one is I actually, I didn't even think about staying balanced or holding my finish or whatever your game plan is. Five is, yeah, I absolutely did it. And it has no correlation with 
what the, what the golf ball does. And the thing that's amazing is being able to practice like this. It's being able, and then taking it out on the golf course and playing, you're able to mm-hmm. stop the conversations that are going on in your head. We've all had those <laughs> where we're saying over the golf ball, it's like, oh, oh. boy, this isn't the right club. Oh, mm-hmm. the wind's gusting. I'm yeah. not even aimed. I don't even know if I'm aimed. Yeah. You know, it's stopping those conversations because let's face it. If you've ever stood over the golf ball and had any thought like that, did the shot ever work out? No. Mine, mine don't. No. <laughs> they don't at all. And you're good. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I tell this story all the time to my players. I said, you know, I was standing over a golf ball in a collegiate tournament. I mean, a big-time tournament. And for some reason, I had the thought crossing my head on the tee box on a par three. You know, it's been a long time since I whiffed it. And guess what I did at that swing? I wish. I mean, my poor father fell out of his golf cart. I mean, I almost killed the man. And yeah, it's just, it's being able to stop those conversations. But, you know, being able to practice with a purpose, being able to practice with pressure, it's so important. It's something that so many people really don't have an understanding of how to do that with golf. Practice. Pressure. I mean, it's a pressure yeah. game. Yeah, practice with pressure. Cool. I'm writing that down. Yeah. When you practice with purpose, what you're looking for is to say, all right, I'm looking for something specific to happen here. So let's say that I'm working on um, my pitching, John. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that you actually like actually got near a short game area. Mm-hmm. I know. I know it. We're talking about giving you some hives here. Um, you know, get near the short game area and, and go out there and work on your ball position and the bottom of your club arc. And getting that club below the ball and watching it, you know what you need? Mm. Feedback. Yes. You need to know, did that specifically do what I was trying to do? Right. So sometimes the purpose must be met with specific feedback for that exactly. purpose. So, for example, take away the target because the target now is now a secondary thing that you might be hitting a great shot. The strike might be wonderful. The but the the club might bottom out right below the ball mm-hmm. and pop it up into the air just like you were working on. Right. But let's say that it kept coming up continuously five yards short. You now have a conflicting message. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're no longer now paying attention to what you were really working on was the bottom of the swing arc getting below the ball and popping it up in the air. Now you're worried about why is that not getting to the hole? Now you have a secondary purpose and, and, and secondary feedback, and you don't want that. So my suggestion is on something like that, if you're going to work on something that does not require a target, don't use one. Okay. If it's not a target-oriented uh, drill, so to speak, if it's not a target-oriented uh, exercise for right. you to get good at, then don't muddy the water by having a target there. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, right. Because then you just confuse yourself and frustrate yourself. Well, I think also, you know, being able to practice with a, you know, more of a marathon style, you know, mentality. Because when you're out there playing golf, if if you are keeping pace, you're looking at a four to four and a half hour round. And that's a good pace. Which, you know, golf has slowed down a little bit. We need to speed it back up. But being able to, you know, have that mindset, be able to practice where you put pressure on yourself and you're able to, basically get it in gear and then go on vacation, get it in gear, go on vacation. Cause with four and a half hour rounds, you're only doing about 30 minutes worth of work. Yeah. So how do you practice and train yourself for, you know, sometimes these marathon sessions of, okay, how do you keep your focus that long? I mean, practicing also, it's not just banging golf balls or trying to get a ball in a hole. Sometimes, I mean, you're having to practice 
your mental outlook, your emotional outlook. I call it the mess in golf, the mental side, the emotional side, the social side, the spirit side of the game. Because if any of that's off, your technique's what's going to suffer. So you got to practice all of it. You definitely do. Let's I actually in. practice with pressure. Here she is talking about the, the holistic view of the whole thing and now talking about pressure. Here's a way that, that I, I do pressure, right? I was working with a, a buddy of mine. He's a friend of the show. As a matter of fact, Brooke knows who he is. And, and sometimes I'll practice with him in my head. For example, let's say that I need to hit this shot close. And if not, I have to buy James Pong a dozen donuts. <laughs> okay, so there's pressure there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, gotcha. Especially yeah. on the second shot because I know that he's going to eat them. <laughs> so I know that I'm really going to have to buy them. I'm aware. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is that thing, Right. So, John, if I could actually get you to practice for one and then start giving, putting a little heat on it, it would be, okay, what would Jeff say to me about this type of practice? And, and how would Jeff get me to pay attention to the specific outcome? I would mm -hmm. give you a game that has a challenge to it, and it would be ascending in skill level. I'd give you some easy stuff first with good feedback, and then I'd give you some harder stuff. Let's go to chipping practice, John, because I know you I know you just absolutely love to go do that. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say that I got a 10-foot circle out there for you to chip into, and you can get all your balls in that 10-foot circle, and then all of a sudden I go, okay, fine. You're good enough for that. Let's take away the 10-foot circle, and now let's go with the same same shot, but how about a 6-foot circle now? Oops, got a, little right. got a little tougher, right? Yeah, it did. And then after that, let's go to the 4-foot circle. Oops, got a little tougher, right? Hmm. Why do we bother doing that? Because it hones our skill or hones our mental skill to handle a little bit more pressure. Sometimes it's the quality of shots. Sometimes it's the accuracy of the shots. Sometimes it's the frequency, the sheer number of it. Maybe you're good at it twice, but maybe you need to be good at it 10 times. So maybe exactly. all of a sudden, John, you go to the putting green. You go, okay, I'm working on five-footers. Okay. Don't quit after making two. How many in a row can you make, John? Yeah. Guess what happens? If I say, John, you got to go make 20 in a row. Now, all of a sudden, what happens when you make your third or your fourth one? You're kind of you're cruising along. And then all of a sudden, John, let's say just for fun, you actually made like 12 in a row from five feet. How are you feeling now? Because you know that if you mess up, you got to go do it again. Right. Yeah. See, there's a little bit of. A little more pressure adds up there. A little bit of pressure added yeah. there, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, so, so here's what we're going to do. Because later on this afternoon, when we do our live show live from your golf cave at uh, Timbergate Golf Course, um, we're going to be doing some stuff out on the course, and uh, we'll put pizza up for some of the stuff. Okay? There we so go. I don't do it. Yeah, I know. I, I thought that, that's the easiest way to get to his heart, Brooke. Give him a pizza. That's right. You know? That's it. Give him a pizza. <laughs> Jeff Smith, Brooke Wilds, two of the best darn golf instructors in the entire world are with us and will stay with us for the entirety of the show, which will return in just a very few minutes. Don't you go away. You want to see how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? It's very easy. $5golfclub.com. The number $5golfclub.com. Are you a sales guy or a business owner? And do you use golf in your business? You should, you know. It's a great way to build a relationship much quicker and much more deeply than you can in a month full of business lunches. 
really is. You can learn more about somebody in 18 holes of golf than, than, than you can any other way. Check it out. Make sure you do it right. We've got a place you can go. It's called thebusinessgolfcourse.com. Got a freebie there for you to download on how to put together the perfect foursome to actually make a whole lot of money, a whole lot more money than you're going to make normally. It's the best way to make friends and influence people, if you pardon the expression. Golf for business, thebusinessgolfcourse.com, the perfect golf foursome. You can get it for free. Just go there, thebusinessgolfcourse.com. One more time, the write it all out, one word, thebusinessgolfcourse.com. Com. The Business Golf Course.com. If you're in sales, you know that people buy things from people they know, they like, and they trust. It can take forever to build that kind of a relationship unless you use golf. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Go there now and check it out. And we are all back. I'm John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave. She is Brooke Watts in Austin, Texas at Star Ranch down there. And uh, they are both premier golf instructors, two of the best you'll ever see. So if you can't get to Timbergate in Edinburgh, Indiana, go down to Austin, Texas. And if you can't get there, well, just keep listening here and ask them questions. Because you can do that through thoseweekendgolfguys.com or facebook.com slash golfguys or whatever. But we will get into that in greater detail later on in the program. But we're talking about practicing. And we're talking about that's such a great idea, Jeff, you have about going out and, and not only giving yourself a different way to look at the game that, you know, you're keeping score not by how many shots you take, but the quality of shot you take or the quality of strike. And then you add to that the quality of the of the flight. And I'm sure you've got some sort of formula, you know, divide by the square root of pi over 17 or what, whatever, and you'll come up with some sort of a score type thing that you can do. Practicing with it's, pressure. It's simply a percentage, you know, in the, in the right. quality of strike thing, think about the total number of shots. Right. And then you just look at it like, what was the percentage of, of a level four strike, a good strike, right? What right. was the percentage mm-hmm. of those? And what was the percentage of the okays? And then if you put together the goods and the okays and go, look, the threes and fours, the, the ones that get me around the golf course the best. What if all of a sudden that became 72% of my, my golf and mm-hmm. your brain would be looking at that going, oh, that's not too bad. They get better and they also have something that they can quantify yeah. that not every shot is perfect. Not everybody that is playing on TV that we see on the weekends is hitting every shot perfectly. A lot of tournaments have been won with shots that were just good enough. Yeah. And being able to practice and make that's where Jeff and I come in, make your misses better, make them good enough, because you can get it around the golf course like that. And also seeing where the holes are in your game. When people start quantifying things and we give them a pattern and we give them tools to be able to practice, then all of a sudden it becomes pretty apparent. You know what? Your driver isn't the issue. It's actually 100 yards and in or and maybe it's your putting statistics. It, it just helps. It helps us help our students. And and it goes back also, Brooke, to what you were saying about the mental aspect of it. If you sit there over the ball and you have a question in your head as to whether or not you're going to be able to hit it correctly, you're not going to be able to hit it correctly. That's, I mean, that's bottom line. That is exactly right. That's how our brains work. I, I, I tell my players all the time, mindless practice promotes mindless playing Mm -hmm. and you have got to be very present you have to be very aware of every shot that you hit it's no different as if you're out there playing on a golf course because if you start 
practicing mindlessly, you get into that habit and then you get into a pressure situation when you're playing and you don't know how to switch gears. So it's being aware. It's making sure that mentally and emotionally you're invested in every shot. And it's, you know, you've got to decide to commit to that shot and going through with Case, case in point, and I know that uh, Jeff's not going to believe this, but I have been actually practicing this year. I, I turned over a new leaf. What? Yes, I turned over a new leaf. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. I well, not all the time, but, you know, now and again. But I, I knew from, from playing, and I started playing like, you know, two, three times a week. So when you start playing two or three times a week, you become very aware of your shortcomings. Yes. You know that you got a problem with your fairway woods if for three consecutive rounds you didn't hit a good strike with a fairway wood to save your life. So you work on right. that. And you get you get to be more proficient with that, and it comes in handy because I was going to say, case in point, I was playing last week. I had a hole, easy par four. It should have been a driver and a wedge. I hit one of the worst drives I've hit in my life. I don't know what I was thinking or what I was doing, but I topped it. It went 50 yards. 50, count them. That left that left me a lot longer than a wedge shot into the green. Exactly. But my three wood made it because I had been practicing. So like you, you say, not every shot's going to be a good shot, but if you practice enough, you know how to make up for the bad shots because you know you're going to have them. Bad shots oh, are going to be there in every round no matter how good. You can be a scratch golfer, a plus handicap, or a 30 handicap. You're still going to hit bad shots now and again on the golf course no matter how often you play. Well, I think Gary Player said it best. He said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, I think he said it, he said it brilliantly. Of, yeah. You know, when you start practicing, it is amazing how things kind of work themselves out on the golf course the, the, when you're practicing with the purpose and pressure what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is making sure that people understand and the average golfer understands if you've got a certain time, let's say it's an hour that you have to practice, how much of it needs to be dedicated to short game? Because if your game is fine-tuned and razor sharp 100 yards and in, you will be amazed how you can salvage so many rounds. Oh, yeah. You know, the pros. I, you know, Jordan Spieth is a great example. He gets to the course two hours before a tournament to warm up. An hour and a half of it, he is working 100 yards and in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that's an hour and a half, and I think he only hits maybe three to five drivers, and that's before he goes out and plays. That's just him warming up. Yeah, that's so, just to get the the swing grooved. As, exactly. Yeah, and you know, being able to keep those skills razor sharp. That if you've only got forty five minutes or an hour, you better make sure that you're dedicating a lot of time to chipping, pitching, punting, wedge shots, because mm-hmm. if that is on. And you practice that, you will be amazed how you can salvage some rounds and also put some pressure on your opponents when, yeah, you may have hit your drive 50 yards, but you can throw a dart and stick it at 75 yards, no problem. Yeah, and I I once told a guy, golf pro friend of mine, that I needed to practice my wedge shots because I missed a lot of greens. And he said, really, why don't you practice your seven iron? Right. I I said that to one of my instructors in college. I said, I need to work on my putting. And he said, what specifically? I said, I need to work on the 80-foot putt. I "I think we need to work on your approach shot. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Like, That's a great point. <laughs> In fact, my brother-in-law was with us last time we played. He complained that the practice green wasn't big enough. <laughs> this is well, not going to be conducive to my game. I'm going to have putts much longer than this. What do I do? So, yeah. <laughs> right. So here's a, here's a thought. Here's this little bit of this conversation that we're bringing up a big point. Well, doesn't this tell us what we need to be practicing? Right. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. a couple of big statistics. I'm. I'm big on using statistics in a round of golf to help my better players. Okay. But I'm only interested in a few statistics. They're the ones that tell you what's really going on. For example, uh, people always point to the, the first two. They go, oh, well, fairways and greens, right? Mm-hmm. No. Right. What if, you know, the stat literalists out that are out there go, well, you, you know, what if I'm aiming down the left side of the fairway because there's a monstrous tree on the right and I rip it down the left side of the fairway and I am three inches out of the fairway, but yet that's exactly where I was aiming, and I hit it beautifully. Does that no longer count? That's and the point. literalist would say, well, no, it's not a fairway hit. Right. Like, but what does that tell me? Does a fairway hit yeah. tell me something? But what about the time when I'm, I, I've got a, a, that example I just gave? There's a big tree, and it's overhanging a quarter of the fairway. I don't want to be behind it, so I'm aiming at the other side of the golf hole, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I've hit it at the other side of the golf hole. I may have missed it. The, the stat literalist would say that's not a good shot. But what if I hit it and I hit it on the right side of the fairway and I am now blocked out by said tree? The stat literalist would say, well, that's a fairway hit. So therefore, you're a better driver of the ball. See, that's not a, an accurate statistic at all. There's too many ways right. that say that that's not right. So here's what I look at. Okay. And, and I know that college coaches want to see this and that and the other thing. But when I'm working with somebody, I need to know, is this a real ball striking issue or not? So I want to know proximity to the hole in regulation. Yeah. Right. I want to know that because that tells me about their striking ability. Are okay. they able yeah. to maneuver the trouble? Proximity to the hole in regulation. And then the other one that I really care about, this is a big one, John. You might want to write this down. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Length of the second putt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tells me everything I need to know about the first one. Yeah, that's sure exactly does. right. I don't care where it started. I care where it finished. If the length of your second putt, John, is two feet, how many three putts do you ever have? Um, Hopefully none. With right? two feet, none. I know, no. I'm asking John. No. Right, none. 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 But, no. that, but that's the whole point, see, is, is to say, okay, what tells me what I need to know as a coach? Well, what tells you as a player what do you need to work on the most? is start thinking about stats that actually matter and write those down. There's there's a bunch of stat tracking apps all over the place, and they always have the fairways and greens plugged in there. But that doesn't yeah. say proximity to the hole. Yeah. What if I'm what if I'm 80 feet away? As Brooks said, I got to practice my 80 foot putts. <laughs> I'm on the green. Right. What good is it? You're 80 feet. Yeah. I'd rather be 10 feet with a short chip. What I'm saying to everybody is is figure out what's real in your practice. You know, and, and you start to practice with the things that actually affect your score. For example, in both these cases, you gave great information about how about hitting it a little closer. Yeah. Right? So hence, instead of, you know, 80 foot putts, I'm looking at my stat of proximity to the hole in regulation, right? You're yeah. 80 feet away. That's not close enough. Why? You know, yeah. why is it, is it a driver issue? Is it a tee shot issue that you just are punching yourself out and that's what's you know bringing it down? Or is it consistently you're just not a good iron player? You know, where are we? I just need to know where to start. And those are great starting points. Right. Fantastic. Absolutely. So I love statistics because they really help you. As long as the statistic that you're looking at tells you what you want to know 
and is foolproof. There's no lies within it. And and the statistics that that are meaningful to the average golfer, not I mean, you don't care like you say, uh, you know, greens and regulation, fairways hit, uh, strokes gained, any of that stuff because it means nothing to the average golfer. Right, right. That's that's exactly well, right. What is well, your I mean, game, John? Let's say that I, you and I went out to go play, John, and we said, okay, what should you be doing today, John? You and I are going to go play the Pete Dye Golf Course at French Lick, and we're going to play it at seventy two hundred yards. <laughs> Automatically, you're laughing because you're going. I'm not going to reach any of those greens. Yeah, I'm not going to get there in five. <laughs> right. Little regulation, so, yeah. <laughs> so what what kind of statistics would be good for you? How, uh, how about a statistic that said quality of tee shot? Yeah. I, I want to mm-hmm. do this. Did I do that? Right. Okay. If you're a realistic chooser of what I want to do, quality of tee shot could help you, right? You could walk away from there saying, man, I hit the tee ball really well today. Yeah. Or I struck my irons really well today, right? There's two statistics that, that are there, but you sure wouldn't go on score right away because you know, John, if you go play up there, you know, you miss by just a little bit. You have a nasty lie, oh, a there gnarly is, lie. There is something no margin. that you're not going to get it close to. Yeah, right? yeah. There is no margin for error. None. So the point is, is to take statistics that are realistic and use those to assess what's going on with you in your game. If you go and play one of the hardest tracks you can go find that's so severe and so penalizing that you could be a little bit off and wind up having a rough score. Mm-hmm. That might not be because you hit bad shots. No. You might have hit good clean shots that wound up in bad locations mm-hmm. just because of one thing or another. Because of the design, right? design yeah. of the course, basically. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a exactly. windy day down in, down in Austin, Texas. And all of a sudden, your ball striking is great. Your club selection is as good as you can. Gust of wind comes up when the ball's in the air, knocks it down into the water. Is any of that mm-hmm. you're doing? We, we haven't got time to argue, but it, it could be that you – because I, I, I find myself doing this a lot. When I have a shot that does not turn out the way I think it should, I realize that there were elements like the wind, uphill, downhill, side hill, things that I did not take into consideration when setting up the shot initially. Oh, absolutely. Right. You know, making sure that, you know, that shot that you were about to hit – can you actually pull that shot off? And it's like, okay, talk me through this. What club are you going to use? Where are you trying to hit it? Where are you trying to land it? Well, I want to hit this three wood, 300 yards <laughs> off the deck, and I want to land it within two feet of the hole. I'm yeah. like, amazing. Tiger Woods <laughs> can't do that. But okay, we're going to give it a shot. See, there's a tournament actually at Star Ranch right now, and I'm watching my teenage boys play, and I'm like, you don't have that shot, bud. I taught you for six years. I guarantee you don't have that shot. You know, and- I'm seeing it unfold right in front of my eyes right we got a few minutes left together here yet, and we want you to hang with us because we will be right back. We're all those weekend golf guys. Don't you move. Did you ever wonder why guys, every guy, I mean, it's like this everywhere. Guys keep their socks and underwear in the top drawer. It's funny. We'll have to do some research and figure that out. I was looking for some new top drawer stuff, and I found some. Some top-of-the-line top drawer stuff from Mac Weldon. Because Mac Weldon has the most comfortable underwear, socks, undershirts that I've ever, ever worn. They also have hoodies and shirts and sweatpants. And it all is the most comfortable stuff that you will ever wear. They'll prove it to you, too. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. 
I myself not only got the underwear and shirts, but I've got the most comfortable pair of sweatpants I have ever worn in my life. So go to MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND when you check out, and you'll get 20% off your first order. MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND and get your 20% off your first order. It is us, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. She is Brooke Watts from uh, Star Ranch in Austin, Texas, and has been uh, contributing quite well to the discussion uh, of practice. We took the P word and we used it repeatedly. Practicing with purpose, practicing with pressure. The technique that uh, Jeff described, just so phenomenal, uh, an idea that uh, I'm, I'm surprised he never told me f- before. But he does that a lot. He keeps well, a lot of stuff. Well, you won't practice, so... Well, <laughs> why argue? Why argue with you? I you see your point. That, that's all well, you know, the, the thing of it is, and the thing that, that that accomplishes, most people that I know who don't like to practice don't like to practice because their time is limited. And any time they spend practicing is time they can't spend on the golf course. But if you can marry exactly. the two, if you can be on the golf course playing your game, yet practicing and that technique you uh, described earlier in the show, Jeff, is something that would allow you to do that. Then you can justify it in your own head because you can sit on the range and you can beat balls left and right and then get out on the golf course and find out that it doesn't work the same way, which is very frustrating, which is why a lot of us don't like to practice because it's like, well, what good's it going to do? I'm not, I, I can do it on the range. I can't do it on the golf course. Now you can because you can practice well, on the golf course. that kind of an attitude, it isn't going to do very well. <laughs> <laughs> Mister, oh, got called. Uh, I don't want to hear well, another I, word about it. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I think it's also important to let everybody know when you're on the range and you're practicing. It, you know, I call it the hit and scrape method. Uh, okay. We don't want to hit a ball and scrape another one. Hit a ball and scrape another one. When will we ever have that scenario on the golf course? Even if you know we're using Jeff's scoring system, it's a one on the on the strike meter. You're not going to hit two golf balls within 30 seconds of each other on the golf course. No, you're but not. But everybody does Except it down on the range. Except John's method. He's got a hole in his pocket. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but being able to practice and actually take three minutes between each shot, if you start practicing like that on the range, you'll be amazed how much better your striking is going to be on the golf course because you practice the way that you're going to play. Slow it down. Right. It's It's not a marathon session of that. That's so right. gonna work, make people. sure that you take time. I hope you have all been taking notes because these two phenomenal instructors have uh, given us much information on ways that we can practice that's not boring, that's not a waste of time, that's actually going to help your game and that's what we're here for go out and practice and then you know what's going to happen is you're going to grab your clubs and you're going to go out to a golf course and you're going to find that you have a not much better score the next time you go play some golf you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.